and you're listening to the Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian American perspective. Hey everyone, it's Thursday, August the 11th, 2016. You're listening to episode 80 of the Collabcast. I'm Marvin. I'm Minji, and I can't believe we went to 80. Yeah. Oh lucky, my God. lucky 80. So proud. <laughs> and we, we are your hosts for the Collabcast, um, your weekly look at pop culture and Asian American news from the world, I guess. Here in LA. From, yeah. Should be way better at doing that by now but it's all good it's it's episode 80 not, we're a little tired i know it's uh <laughs> we've been doing this 80 that's like a year and a half i know i'm i'm like genuinely proud and i'm gonna be purchasing a cake shortly after we finish recording what kind of cake <sighs> ice cream <laughs> very nice and that lovely voice ladies <laughs> and gentlemen is our guest or one of our guests this week josephine chang actor cosplayer and sometimes writer for nerdsofcolor.com How's yes. it going, Josephine? I'm good. How are you? And Josephine brought along her friend, Edward Hong. My friend. Her friend. My friend. <laughs> Edward is also an actor, also a writer for Nerds of Color. And also the Cinnabon Monster. Oh, yeah. Also mm-hmm. a moniker. Yep. I pretty much represent Cinnabon on that level. Uh, so, yeah, that's my alias, the Cinnabon Monster. Yay. Edward's also <laughs> one of Minji's acting school friends. He Aww. is. Mm-hmm. My first scene partner. Yep. In LA, and where she just last. yelled and screamed where at I me. Where I scream at him for like twelve minutes. That's not acting. That's, that's normal. Yeah, that's, that's what that's like acting stage, is. You channel so. what you actually are. So I was taking Marvin's place. Yeah, uh, sometimes, you know, <laughs> depending well, on the situation. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank yeah. you. Well, it's Olympic time. Have yes. you guys been catching up on the Olympics? I've been watching tidbits here and there on YouTube. But I, I, I don't, this is again the generational issue. Right. I don't have TV. So oh. it's. But everything's streaming online. Is it? Yeah. I just haven't Every been, I've, single sport. I haven't been making a parody. I've Even been the watching. Ones they don't like, show on TV, like fencing and table tennis. Have you been watching all of that? Apparently. Not this year. <gasps> I watched a lot in the London Olympics, but this year, for Rio's some reason, this, this, week's, this week's just been really busy. <laughs> yeah. So I've been half watching the primetime broadcast while doing work at home at like 11 p.m. at night because that's my life now (laughs) the most i got self-imposed by the way (laughs) (laughs) i will not take responsibility for that it's all right well it's it's an exciting time it's our first olympics during the clubcast era so i'm excited to be talking about that that's gonna be our feature topic later on this week but let's get started with the podcast each and every week, we start off with a roundtable discussion with our guests about the pop culture and Asian American stuff that's on our mind. I'm really good with adjectives today. We're very in- good it's at Englishing. Pro level Englishing going on this podcast. You right guys now. have to like level up your articulation because I know. I know. This Edward is, not is being happening. unusually quiet right now. I'm a podcaster. Very strange What's for happening? me. I'm a podcaster. Words are my livelihood. What, what's going on? I don't know. I know, Edward. All you do is talk. Usually, this is the quietest I've ever heard you. She's like, "Can we bring the podcast equipment?" I'm just waiting home? for my time. Why okay. is this sexy voice? That's not natural either. Everyone, it's funny. People bring a different podcast voice. Is a thing. Sexy voice? Did someone mention sexy voice? Apparently, can I we got not no do this? I don't know why I, I prolonged this bow. conversation. Stop it! Bow. All right, I'm going to start off the conversation. What's on my mind is Michael Phelps's shoulders. Have you guys noticed the are uh, what are those purple I noticed a spots? lot of I've Michael Phelps heard, actually. I think he gets beat. That's part of his training now, right? He gets like beat his sensei, with a his teacher, circle. like like punches him with a circular fist. It's how like, you channel bam. your anger. It's exactly. like the old like monk like mm-hmm. channel your feelings into one perfect strike. Exactly. And, and, and then so it helps him with his breast strokes and his regular everything's. Didn't he just win his like twentieth medal? Is yes. that he just right? tied Leonidas of Sparta or something. What? <laughs> What? Or Theologia, or some—he just tied a two thousand year old record for the most Olympic titles. 
Is that Shut up, wow. really? Yeah. I mean, he's that's a real. Doing it. At least that's what the internet told me. That's a real. Uh, okay, well, the internet said did you, it. So, did you fact check this one, or was this like the Onion? <laughs> I did not fact check this. Fact checking, in fact, ruins old. podcasts. So we're not going to do that. Oh <laughs> so we can say whatever you want, and it will be true. Oh no, I will fact check you. Okay. Right. Edward right. is a cinnabon. <laughs> I am a cinnabon. <laughs> this is true. He's talking cinnabon, talking, sitting to the chair it's right next to us. If you bite my arm right now, we should have said a tarp. It's very concerning that the cinnabon identifies as Asian because I don't see the features. How is that not? I mean, that's cool because <laughs> they yellow, CGI'd it. It's, it's fine. yellow on the outside. They made everything. it They made it more Asian featured. Anyways, Michael Phelps' shoulders have these distinctive bruises on them because he's been um, undergoing this ancient Chinese secret therapy. This newfound, this newfound Western practice. Newly discovered it's health It's going to be used everywhere. What now is it called? called? Cupping. <gasps> Cupping. Which to me is that just what old people it, it do. It does. It's like an old person therapy. Much. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. I've only you're seen young, it you don't need be to do done it, on old people. Like. Can or, someone explain it? Because I've, I've heard of it for the longest time, but I never did so research into what it is. So is something where basically they, they put glass cups onto your skin, mm-hmm. and then they use fire, heat, to create suction, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to pull blood bad blood bad blood out and kind of it's supposed to help with circulation so that the way the reason he's doing it is because some trainer convinced him that this will help him circulate blood which helps with you know muscle recovery with working out okay or something like that i'll actually contribute on that one because i i did cupping last year before i had to do a violin recital and uh-huh. old old man yeah, i know so <laughs> what so what it really does i mean like marvin pretty much touched on it but what cupping what the effects of it is that like so when they do the cupping, um, if the the more purple the spot is, the more it shows that you're not getting circulation in those areas of your back, oh. right? So when when the acupuncturist did it to me, she was kind of like shocked because it was like deep, deep, deep purple everywhere. Well, you're a, an overamped, overwhelmed. Yes. emotionally suppressing Korean person. Yes, so I'm, I'm that super makes stressed, sense. super angry. So she was like, <laughs> right. so when she did it, and then after it was done, it was like this huge relief came over my shoulders and back right. and that's the yeah, benefit they of usually do this. it in like spas so you oh. get your foot massage you get your shoulder massage and you get cupped man i need to get like on that. that so um yeah that's why it's an old person thing because young people usually when they do cup them nothing comes up but i mean usually except but in, here imagine, in 2016 <laughs> imagine like Let's just a bunch of hickeys because that's yeah. essentially what it yes. is yeah from a giant Octopus. Well, now yeah. everyone can just Google Michael Phelps and see for themselves. Imagine a giant like girl with a big old mouth giving him a really huge awkward. Hickey. As if cupping wasn't <laughs> yeah. already sexual sounding. Know, now we put a that. specific image Anyways, to that. So the media has caught like on, and everyone's like, "What are these things on his shoulder? What is this newfangled thing?" And there's blah blah blah. And the general thing is, cupping's been Columbus. It's been discovered by the white man, and now it's a new <laughs> That's thing. A good term. That's a good term. <laughs> um, but um, and now we instead of blowing in an on a hipster location <laughs> near you, I know it's, it's probably already like being done. Oh, I'm sure. But instead of dwelling on you know the uh, the classic outrage, I wanted to ask you guys about ancient Asian secrets that your parents Eastern medicine did to you guys when you were sick. Um, that might be the next big fad. Ooh, um, I know what, but just me, do you? You got something? <laughs> My ancient remedy is do nothing. You sleep, <laughs> drink water. That's literally every single remedy of my mother's. Sleep it my, off. Yeah, and is that I what wake, doctors tell you too? Lots of fluids, no, lots of rest. Yeah, and then they assign you like a million is your mom pills. A doctor? No, she oh. probably wishes she, I, she probably wishes I was a doctor. But yeah, she's just like just drink water and sleep, and then like the next time, it kind of like I feel like your body does become dependent on all the meds that people keep assigning you like mm. did you really need that until you went to the doctors and they're like hey you actually need 30 of these different things <laughs> or finding so. or finding or your body even building up tolerance to something like exactly. i used to get hi- something that i ate when i was a kid gave me massive hives because i remember it having a couple times i would just wake up my whole back was covered in them and my mom put lotion on me and sent me off to bed again <laughs> and whatever that was i'm not allergic to it anymore and i never changed my mm. diet since i was a kid ancient korean lotion so yeah or lotion soothing lotion, yeah. go back to sleep <laughs> or just ate like asian mother scolding like you are not going to you don't have time for that you should be studying and they're like oh right. i'm so sorry my body heals itself okay we're done are, 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 stop yelling at us my mom is a big believer in like the the, the asian concept of heat levels you know certain foods have higher heat levels and higher heat levels cause canker sores, mm. right? So um, whenever we got canker sores, her remedy was always mung bean soup. Interesting. Yeah. 
I remember, just, did you ever take hanyak or like any of the yes. herbal so tea? I, never... I remember like, yeah, my mom and dad, dad gave me when I used to live in Korea, like they, it was like this deer antler, like suit, like this. <laughs> that sounds so vicious. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's yeah. like it was made <laughs> out of deer be, antler and yeah. it was like this boycotting this podcast. It's like this <laughs> dark red, like. Oh, the blood? I don't know what it I was. I don't know what but it is, it but it's awful. Like, yeah. And so they're like, no, this is good for you. They would give it to me if I'm sick or if I have a fever and they're like, drink this. It's good for you, and I drink it, and I don't feel nothing <laughs> happen. Like it's just like I'm drinking something that came from a dead deer, and I'm like, I feel so sorry for the deer, and I'm drinking it. it tastes like the worst. It's it just probably like, like all of those effects combined are probably what brought you down further because your mood is just like I just. I mean, <laughs> ingested the worst most, thing ever. Bambi. Most Eastern medicine. Probably has some root in science. There's some herbs. There's a lot of herbal components to it, but some things are. I'm pretty sure it's just placebo. Right? Yeah, it's just but I think placebo can believe. work too. Because, well, yeah, I don't know. My yeah. parents are big believers in ginseng. Right. That like, was one, what all I was all about. That what I was going to talk about. Like I used to hate the taste of ginseng. I still don't like it. And we would be forced to drink it whenever we're sick. But now I'm like, uh, I guess I got used to it. It has or, like high potency for vitamins and you stuff. You know what it is? Because I start drinking alcohol. So anything that tastes gross, like I can like I can deal with. Still yeah, don't like it. I actually have ginseng vitamin C from Korea in my purse right now because <laughs> my brother brought, bought it. And I did acupuncture a couple times. Once when I rolled my ankle really badly when I was ten, mm. and then recently, like in my twenties, I've talked about it. I think in the past, but that was just because I was so stressed out that like I was like I need to go to a massage therapist and I want to try acupuncture to like release tension because it was a thing where I felt my whole body freezing up. I believe in that. It, I don't think it was placebo. It was like I physically felt yeah. lighter and like more mobile. Like, I mean, there's right. so many nerve Easter? endings, so many signals being sent around your body. There's probably some like if people go into the science of acupuncture, of things like cupping, of Eastern Oh yeah, that's remedies. been like a big thing for a while now. Uh, because a lot of time, like for the longest time, that's been known as alternative medicine, like hippie shit, right? But now Once that- Once insurance starts <laughs> covering that- yeah, that is legit. Doesn't like, it cover like acupuncture? Acupuncture is covered by insurance. Well, yeah. So. yeah. Well, yeah. we can go on the whole other. Yeah, talk once about white healthcare. people say it's okay, then they go. Oh, but because okay. like the, legit. yeah, because we're moving from a like a in, in a treatment style of healthcare system to a, a managed care yeah. preventative care type of thing, which will save the country so much money. But <laughs> before we start giving uh, health healthcare reform advice, also yeah, we're not doctors, so. None of, this, none of this should be considered <laughs> advice. And we have lived life and we have high levels of tension and anxiety. But I cannot stress <laughs> enough. We are not doctors or experts on well, this. Well, we, we could be because we're Asian. So <laughs> we are masters of everything. Exactly. We're everything. We're, we're doctors. We're computer we're engineer. Lawyers. Repair, repair but people. But we don't lawyers. China from dragons. That's all. That, that's that's all. When it, when it comes to the entire country, we can save individual people. Or the best samurai. It. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Minji. What's on your mind? What is on my mind right now is that uh, is South by Southwest. Um, I've been like my brain is a little fuzzy right now because there's so many different things happening in our lives. But um, right now, South by Southwest is having their panel picker community vote, and I'm just like I'm really stoked right now because we got such a great response, and I didn't know what to expect. But anyway, um, South by Southwest is a huge festival for music, for film, and for uh, technology. It's where a lot of companies come, and a lot of industry folks in all those areas come to discover up and coming talent. They come to like talk about what's new within the industry. And um, I've had the best time at the last two years, but I noticed that there was little to no discussion on diversity. Mm-hmm. And so I did my own thing and I was like in my head while I was there, I was like, I would really love to have a an Asian American showcase where we actually have more Asian American speakers. Cause you see the whole lineup of all these artists and they're from, from Asia or from Australia, from all over the world, but like no Asian Americans. And that's why I was Run River North being there this year was amazing. Mm-hmm. And Big Phony's been there for the last few years. Yeah, I think Mitski was there too. Yeah, so like yeah. a few, like a handful. But I was like, we need to have like our own thing. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted was to have a panel to talk about the diversity issue because my gut feeling was as much as, as South by Southwest has grown and blown up in the last few years, I was like, I still haven't heard. Because I feel like within our circles, if, if it had happened, we would have heard that there was a panel talking about the Asian American representation issue. And there, I haven't heard anything. So my assumption was that there's not. So anyway, quick, I put together an application, put it out there um, to have Jenny Yang, Phil Yu, Dante Bosco, myself, 
And then I have literally like a dozen other people waiting on backline if they if any one of those people can't make it. Yeah. But to just have a panel and talk about this and, and talk about how it's connected to other diversity and things like that. So did you guys see it? Did you guys see my link? My panel picker link? Edward, are you being what? a good internet researcher? No, You're not stalking it. my page. Not stalking your page. He only stalks his own page. <laughs> you, you only care about yourself. <laughs> are you one of those people who you post something and then you sit there looking at the light yes. counter? Yes. Not go up. I am going to vouch for that. Yes, that is On him. blast. Yep. Well, then, Eddie, I... I Look at that smile. You, you and Minji are like kindred spirits. They then. are. I request... <laughs> is it the Korean blood? Hey, I don't... Hey, what? <laughs> I look at what's going on in other people's lives. I look at other people's lives, too. And then when you get a notification, so you, you go, haven't, oh, someone you haven't commented. Been, I haven't liked my post before. What? That was like a year ago. You're such an ass. I hate I'm going to say I've, I've heard that before. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway... Going back to the actual topic. Awkward smile. For those of you who want to support this really awesome panel, before we go into more discussion, check out the collaboration Facebook page. It's pinned to the top of the page. So just click on that link and go give it a thumbs up. And maybe a um, comment too, a nice little comment from Minji. Give me your support. Not for me, for the whole panel. Like but, that's what I appreciate. When I, when I put it on Twitter, um, I tagged Jenny and Phil and Dante and then they retweet. And then a bunch of other people started retweeting it too. And it got this like unexpected traction. I was just throwing it out there. And then people were like, yes, we need to talk about this. And so I was so happy that that reaction Yeah, and I think the important on. thing of, it's awesome that this type of conversation is now being able to be put on such a huge stage, right? Even if you're not going to physically be there at South by Southwest, just having this panel there, the insights that they'll talk about, the 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 stories that they'll tell um, is going to be covered by more than just Asian American media. Like this is a huge festival with a lot of influencers and people who make decisions and who Minji can attest to this are looking for more insights into our, you know, our demographic, our demographic, our thought processes, our anger. (laughs) And so if you care about Asian American representation, if you care about things improving for us in Hollywood, like even if you're not going to be there, vote for this panel, let them know that you want this panel to exist and that you want people to hear what we have to say. Word. Because a lot of times when we have these Asian American panels, we're preaching to the choir a lot of times. We're like talking to ourselves, trying to motivate ourselves. So that's, what, that's why the message has always been make stuff, do stuff. You can create your opportunities. Which is still necessary. Like yeah, which we is, need to still, like is, we're, we're encouraging one another, which I think is good. And Eddie's holding back a laugh. Yeah. But, you know. I want to know what you, yeah. In this case, we're going to be in front of people who typically don't talk to, hopefully, you know. Yeah. We're yeah. getting lots of traction so far. So I hope people go support. And Eddie, why are you laughing? Oh, I just when when Marvin commented like what a lot of Asian American panels are is like do stuff, make stuff, put stuff out. It's like, unfortunately, that seems to be the topic that every single Asian American, especially in the entertainment panel, it is all about, and it never goes beyond that. And it's kind of like at some point there's a joke around, especially within what I call the jaded cynical Asians, where it's like you've seen one Asian American panel, you've seen all Asian American panels, so. It's. I would be very curious. So when people say, "Oh, we're going to have an Asian American panel," I always ask them the question: If they're curating it, like, how are you going to make this different? How would you want it to be different? That's my question to you, because I feel like I've, I've been to some, yeah. but I feel like you've probably been to more. I mean, I definitely see where you're coming from. I would say it's also the audience, right? If you're talking to an audience who needs to be encouraged, who are coming in and aren't sure this is what they want to do, aren't sure they can do it. Being told that they can is a very powerful message. And to that end, it is more of a long-term thing, right? Whereas the people who who get the message, intake it, and go out and make stuff, they're not going to be out there until maybe 10, 20 years down the line. So it's they more got some incubation time. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I'm so. curious. Like, given that, like you, I know I'm sure that you can imagine what kind of audience the South by Southwest right crew will be. What would you want us to talk about? Inter- I hope you're there, by the way. The interesting thing is because it's like uh, back a few years ago, I was one of the people involved with before it became um, it. There was a there was an Asian American con- conference that when it started it was called Banana, and that <laughs> that's what it was called. It it came it became something else. Jaws Wang is now the leader of like this. Uh, it's like the uh, the V three. Okay. Is she yeah. called so Banana? It used to be called Banana. And I was the, one of the original people who was part of that, and Until so it was ruined by minions. <laughs> 
Goddamn minions. <laughs> so, Ruin everything. And so, like, I think my experience, while I met great people there, but I also, unfortunately, became jaded with it because in that three days, we just, it just hit upon the same thing over and over, even if it was, like, different realm, like music mm-hmm. or movies mm-hmm. or art or anything like that. It was the same thing. It's, it's the same thing that we need more exposure. There isn't enough of us. White people are talking for us or playing us. And it gets to the point where it's like, okay, so what can we do to make this more? And obviously, if the South by Southwest, uh, it can only reach its true potential if there are non-Asian people in the audience right. watching this. Um, but then the problem is, how do you get them in in the first place? Because like when we, when Josephine and I went to Comic Con, like there were, we noticed that there were several diversity panels, and we noticed that within most of the diversity panels, the ones that we checked out had half the room full or not even half the room full. Right. But then the panels that obviously had like popular sci-fi shows or whatever, full, just like completely packed. Which is understandable because, you know, if you're you if you're like a attendee of Comic Con, do you want to spend your time in a room talking about diversity? I mean like the ones who'd be probably most excited are the ones who are so for diversity, mm-hmm. but for the average everyday goer, aka white they're not going to go to and be like, oh man, I, I need to go to this I need diversity to go to panel. This thing. Mm-hmm. Like when I could like wait in line and watch, you know, James Cameron, you know, talking, I would rather, they would go rather go watch that instead. Right. That's true. I mean, so, I, oh, so then I, so then Josie and I were talking about it in a sense that, you know, maybe like obviously these, these diversity panels keep, they need to keep happening. Like, you know, I'm not saying it should stop, but then it seems like the greater uh, reach is the panels that have TV shows with a diverse cast. So I would imagine shows like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the panel that I went to, The Expanse, which has an incredibly diverse multicultural cast in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they talked about diversity. They like they, they mentioned diversity. But the panel was for their show. The panel yeah. was for a show, but diversity was a main topic. Yeah. And so it felt like you know it hit the audience more because you had white audience members because they were, they were there for their show. They were for show. And then... The, they tell these people like diversity is important yeah. because it impacts us all. I do want to figure out the right way to frame it to draw attention from the right people because honestly, even the attendance in South by Southwest, the people who pay for the badge to go to these conferences are mostly not going to be Asian. So who's to say, you know, but in any case right now, I'm like taking it one step at a time mm-hmm. and I'm like super, I'm really, really just encouraged by that because I wasn't expecting this much. I was expecting friends, you know, people within our circle to all vote, but people have been sharing it and I hope the votes have been going up and people yeah. leaving comments and people who are not Asian left comments too. Oh and they're like, God. this needs to happen. <laughs> oh, I love angry Asian man. Let's, mm-hmm. I want to see him in, you know, in real life and blah, blah, blah. So it's, I'm, I'm all about it and I wasn't expecting to, which is the best feeling. Yeah. So please vote. Please, please vote. vote. Again, check out the link in our Facebook page on the collaboration Facebook page. It's pinned to the top. Check out the link. Yeah. Eddie, what's on your mind? Um, so in the topic of diversity and also uh, kind of following off of what you guys talked about in your last week's podcast, you guys were talking about the Great Wall, Matt Damon. Uh, the part that you touched upon, the one I want to kind of expand is the influence or rather the growing influence of Chinese money in Hollywood, uh-huh. in the Hollywood world. Mm. And I think... Uh, there's been a lot of discussion. Constance Wu brought it up, and other articles have been talking about it, um, saying like, you know, do Asian Americans know the influence of Chinese money in Hollywood and how it affects them personally? Mm-hmm. And I think there is a 50-50, 50% do know about it, and they're aware of the the power they have, and the other half don't know about it, and they still think, oh, it's all Hollywood. It's all Hollywood. It's Hollywood's fault. For their dissection, though, if the ones that do know, what do they know about it? Exactly. Like how it actually works. So my source comes from someone who actually works in for one of the major uh, Chinese media companies. Like, so he's giving me the insight of like, okay, this is what's happening. Like, oh, we're that scoop. I know. So, he's gonna get shot now. <laughs> oh my god. So, so it's like it's a very it's a very complex. Well, just as much as it is for Hollywood for anything. And he's like, look, like Chinese people, especially in that in those companies, they want their own people. They want Asian faces to be the leads. Like, there's no question about it. It's not like they want Matt Damon to play their lead or whatever, like that kind of thing. And then most recent news that we just found out, if you guys saw the article, is that Matt Damon is not the... He's one of, like, five other leads. And so there's a bunch of other Asian stars that are probably going to be helming it, and he's getting called in when, like, maybe the major crisis is happening. Or we don't even know, like, how big his role actually is. Because it's like when we watched Godzilla, the newest reboot was... You know, they um, they advertised the entire thing with, like, 
Cran- Brian Cranston, right? And so everyone came to watch Brian Cranston, and then you watched it. Spoiler alert: he's not in the film very much because he dies right away. And you're like, what the? F- Why are we watching this Aaron Taylor Johnson guy? No one cares. <laughs> I mean, okay, cool, you're great and kick-ass, but it's like, what is this? Hmm. So this might be exactly the thing that they're marketing to the Americans. You've just been swindled. We yeah, got your ticket money. Exactly. So they're probably doing that with Matt Damon, or you know, hopefully crossing our fingers because they're like, we want the audiences to come in. But once you watch it, you're like, oh wait, it's a bunch of Asians. I guess that's fine too. So a segment. <laughs> so it's like the director did say he clarifies like, please guys, just watch my movie before you make any judgments. Uh, it's not as bad as people are making out to be. So just, I support that. I mean, like, uh, it's happened before where Asian Americans protested several movies. Like, I remember the one before, uh, there's one especially one, uh, The The Martian. The Martian, for sure. And then there there was another one. It was the Karate Kid remake with Jackie Chan. There was a protest that was led by Pat Morita's daughter and saying, don't watch this film. It's racist. It's all that. I watched the film. It wasn't racist. The title sucked because it wasn't karate. It's more like Kung Fu Kid. Yeah. But they're doing it because of the name brand and everything. But the yeah. movie was decent. It was uh, entertaining. Jackie Chan was actually a really complex, emotional I guy. I very emotional in that movie. Yeah. And so, and then I actually got a lot of backlash from the older Asian American generation because I didn't know my place. I didn't know the history of the Asian American struggle. And it that was a time where I think, you know, when I first moved to LA, I, got, I immediately got jaded by the asian american community because it's like it it's it's definitely interesting when we have so many diverse voices of asian americans who they squabble and they this 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 and i think what i've come to realize is no one's really happy like if we take fresh off the boat or dr ken everyone has complaints that it's stereotypical it's racist i on the other hand see is like look we're seeing asian faces we're seeing them out there they have a they're on their third season that's awesome and then this can make room for like the complex, the darker, the grittier, the more nuanced Asian American portrayals. Which they are, and that's fine. I really want to like sit on your Facebook and go through your newsfeed because the way the way you were because like, when you were talking to me about it, um, personally, like you you're just like you're so frustrated, and I could understand why based on like what you were hearing. But you're like Asian Americans are so like they don't get it, and I was like. Most of my friends do. Like what you're so, talking about. So it's kinda like I, think I don't know what you're now that time has passed and I'm not as like crazy and Kenny angry. also likes poking the bear a lot. Uh, I love poking the bear. I I, <laughs> I piss off a lot of people, like especially with my own community and that means other you're doing people. something right because they don't want you to be talking about I that, I feel like. So, so my whole thing with everything is yeah, like the Chinese money definitely has a lot to do with why this movie gets made, how it's being made. Like Anytime you're dealing with money, you're dealing with risk, you're dealing with business decisions, you're dealing with what will make us this money back and more money. And for a lot of American companies, that's how do we get this thing to China? This goes way past movies. It also goes into products, franchises, Starbucks, McDonald's. Like China is the market. So I think obviously there is an Asian American perspective to this where we're kind of just sick of this happening. And our perspective has nothing to do with what the Chinese feel about it. And they probably are super excited that they're one of their biggest directors. And I have my own issues with Zhang Yimou movies. Like, I, I don't... I like them. I don't think they're, st- like, amazing, great. So but, it's like me and Chris Nolan. Um, what? <gasps> I went there. But the thing that I kind of latched onto this, this whole thing was this fact that, like, this Chinese company who could create this huge epic film for the market that everyone wants to go towards, right? They don't need the American market, but there's still this idea that Hollywood is prestige. Hollywood is, you make it in Hollywood, you made it as a filmmaker, and in order to play Hollywood's game, you have to play their game, which means it needs a white face, it needs to have the story of the white savior thing and whatever, and that's how we get the Hollywood studios on board to like to make this, into a Hollywood thing. And I kind of feel like it's kind of interesting that, to me at least, they didn't have to, right? They don't have to have Matt Damon in here. But I feel like they, they do. Want, like, w- well, because they want to be, because they want this to be a Hollywood movie. But what I'm saying is Hollywood, Hollywood right? has global reach. Here's the thing with Chinese film too, and because uh, I don't know the numbers, right? But I'm just coming from a straight off like branding marketing perspective because I look at this from like Korean standpoint too, right? Like Korean films. There are films that are going to do well like domestically because they're going to get the stars and there's some reach because of K-drama, like whatever. They know who to choose to kind of reach a wider audience, maybe across the season in the States. But I feel like for, for Matt Damon, when I look at him, he's an international star. He's Jason Bourne, and he can be recognized. Like, even though China is like the market, they're still not the entire world. Right. So I'm looking at that. That I guess just in terms way. of just a storytelling perspective, like that 
this storage, it's a very, like, we, of course, we don't know the entire role, but this type of role, we're calling in the European to come and save or be the, the guy, right, to be the, the pro, is still a very Western narrative, right? That's, so yeah. I'm going to, okay, so what I would say about this is that, like, first off, like, the, the reason why I got, like, a, a little bit flustered talking to Asian Americans about the Great Wall and Chinese money is that uh, a lot of people still make the assumption that this is a Hollywood film, which is an easy assumption to make. All the writers are whites. You know, one of them, as Minji said last week, the, uh, the people who created The Last Samurai, uh, the producers are white. But the thing that, you know, when you, when you go behind a veil, this is produced by Legendary, and everyone thinks, oh, Legendary is an American company. True, but China just bought Legendary Pictures as of the beginning of this year for $3.5 billion. It is now China-owned. So legendary is theirs now. So China's this is buying a, everything. Yes. China's so this buying. is a Chinese-owned Hollywood company that is making it. And so when people say, "Oh, they want," you know, they need Hollywood. They don't need Hollywood. For example, when Stephen Chow, I don't think it's need. I think they want. They want to be oh, yeah. in the Hollywood. The buy-in, like right? the the yeah. Because for filmmakers, that's still prestige. That's still like you can't win an Oscar for best picture unless you're a Hollywood film. Yeah, but right. the, that's because the they want to like the Hollywood. Yeah. They have a certain level of standard that China has yet to match, right? Mm -hmm. But then even though we, I think a lot of Asian Americans are the ones who are the most vocal about all of the like not having uh, an Asian face be the star or whatever. It doesn't matter because as much as we yell about this, we're going to get shafted in the end because it's all about the Chinese stars. So if you look at all the big films that have been coming out recently, like all the big, like, uh, okay, Independence Day, the the, <laughs> the lovely <laughs> remake version. Oh, not remake. It's oh. like a sequel. Yeah, yeah, it's a sequel. resurgence. But yeah. eh, let's just not talk. The, the point is they you can see Chinese money all over that, right? Because they heard. freaking had Angela Baby as one of the quote-unquote leads, but she was kind of like... Kind of useless. She did not need to be there. And then she didn't have to be speaking Chinese and them going, mm, those are the Chinese pilots. She was also in one scene of the new Hitman movie. Yeah. As Diana. Well, I don't even remember anything. The handler. So well, it's like, well, that's like the, the behind the veil stuff. Like they are inserting their Yeah, their and the, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja stars, Turtles, right? uh, the new one, they also had this girl called Jane Wu, who when you see her, you're like, oh, you know, she speaks English well, that's fine. But then you <laughs> find out that her husband is he owns one of these companies that has all the money. So that's, they are literally buying their way into the American <laughs> films. And they're like, we will pay these American companies like a million they bucks. They will gladly accept. Yeah, they're like, I mean, we yeah. money? Anything, and then they put them in. Any, it's, it's all politics. Everyone has their own agenda, right? So I think, I'm not faulting Asian Americans for making a stink. Um, I do agree that maybe the film has more nuance to it because of the China connection. Um, but I think there's two discrete sides to this, whereas on one hand, we're to Asian Americans, like on our side of the pond. It's just another example of a whitewashing incident, right? A, a, a role that could have been played by an Asian person, who probably should have been played by an Asian person, going to a big star because of, you know, Hollywood or whatever. But to the other side, to, to the Asians across the pond, it's like, this is our chance to show Hollywood what we can do, that we can make a great film, and that we, we've made it in in art in this I art form, that's right? A, that's a that's a plausible theory, and I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm feel just saying, I'm just different concerns, questions. and like what we're concerned about is definitely not what the people in China are oh, concerned no, about. Oh, they definitely give no not shits. what the people oh, no. making the decision are concerned about. They just about. care about like yeah. pomp and circumstance. They don't like care about like the actual quality yeah. of things, and they're just like whatever is going to. And the sell. people right. paying the bills just care about making their money back and more money. Yes. All I wanted to close this out. All I want to know is, will Matt Damon have a British accent? All I want to know. It's probably You'll Hungarian just have to watch the movie. or like some sort of. I, I want to know, or from if he the does trailer, it doesn't seem like he has any acts. He's just playing himself. Does yeah, he talk like so an it's American? So like a Kevin Costner yeah, and yeah, Robin he, Hood. He came in. He was like, when I first uh, how's came it going, in here, Chinese people? I'm here to slay some dragons <laughs> yeah, on this great like, wall you built. Kick some ass. <laughs> I was born into like fighting. It was just a regular voice. It oh, it was, huh? Yeah, he was. Oh my god. And that'll do it for a roundtable segment. Thank you guys for participating. Um, we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about the Olympics. Hey, everybody. Just want to thank you for listening to the Collabcast. This podcast, of course, is part of Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of our communities. You can find out more about Collaboration, as well as check out our digital content, including videos, podcasts, and blog articles at collaboration.org. That's collaboration with a K. 
And in case you missed the great news last week, we're going to be doing our first ever live collabcast in a few weeks on Saturday, August 27, 2016 at the Comedy Comedy Festival. Um, we'll be part of their live podcast lounge, um, so keep an eye out for the schedule. But yeah, we're excited to um, do our show live for the first time. Um, we're, we're lining up a really awesome guest, and then we're going to be talking um, and maybe even take some live audience questions. So um, if you want to check us out, um, you can learn more about the Comedy Festival on their website, the Comedy Comedy Fest. This is the second annual Comedy Comedy Festival produced by Disoriented Comedy, which is a four-day comedy festival featuring some of your favorite and soon-to-be favorite Asian-American comedians running from Thursday, August 25th through Sunday, August 28th at the Japanese American Cultural and Community Center in Little Tokyo, downtown Los Angeles. They have an amazing lineup for the festival, including a musical comedy night featuring members of the cast of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, a special Mortified showcase on Friday featuring Asian American entertainers reading pieces that they wrote when they were kids, and a whole bunch of stand-up and improv comedy featuring comics such as Fresh Off the Boat's Randall Park, Dr. Ken Susie Nakamura, and members of ISA Kaba Modern, and the new show Wrecked. Collaborations also co-presenting Friday Night's Bay Area Comics Showcase featuring awesome Asian American comics from the Bay Area and featuring Collaborations founder PK. So if you're looking for some good laughs at the end of August and also to revel in the greatness that is Asian American comedy, check out the Comedy Comedy Festival, colon, a comedy festival. Um, the website again for the full schedule and tickets is www.comedycomedyfest.com. Also, don't forget, Collaboration is supporting APIA Votes 2016 Presidential Election Forum, um, something that they're doing in conjunction with the AAJA, Asian American Journalists Association, that's taking place this Friday. The registration for the live event in Las Vegas is full, but you can watch the live stream at www.apiavote.org slash townhall slash live. There's also going to be co-current running mixlers carrying the translated dialogue so that you can share this with your parents and relatives who may not speak English, but still want to know what the presidential candidates have to say about issues affecting Asians in America. Former President Bill Clinton is scheduled to represent the Hillary Clinton campaign at the town hall, and Gary Johnson of the Libertarian Party will also be in attendance. At the moment of this recording, there still hasn't been any confirmation from the Trump campaign, but, but they have been invited. And that'll about do it for this uh, little break. Um, let's get back to the show. And we're back. Welcome back to episode 80 of the Collabcast. I'm Marvin Yue here with my co-host, Minchi Chang, What's and our up? guests, Josephine and Edward. Hey, yo's. Mr. Cinnabon Munster. Um, so it's Olympics times, guys. Um, Olympics 2016 Olympics happening right now in Rio, in Brazil. Um, seems to be going okay despite everything down there being a giant dumpster fire oh yeah it's well, a that's shit also, show yeah. well I mean that's also because of what the media is showing us right but yeah. we know behind the curtain we're like ah, there's a lot of crap but <laughs> it's eh. a terrible time to hold a international yes. have you seen the videos of the torch runner running through the streets of Brazil Mm-mm. and how everyone's no. trying to extinguish it oh or like God. tackle them and <laughs> so during the entire Brazil lake there the torchbearer was being escorted by like a convoy of policemen and militia. What? Why are they trying to tackle him? Because the games, like both this and the World Cup, pretty much like put the country in a really bad place. It ruined yeah. them, their oh. economy. Also, a um, political unrest. I think the um, didn't they just like kick out their their president or something? Yeah, there's like a whole civil war. The there's a whole going yeah. On. There's a yeah. whole like all the political the turmoil. Kudita, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, the kudita was Turkey. That's a whole other. Oh story. wait, I'm just yeah. getting all my countries merged into one. That was a. Uh, <laughs> That was a coup, not a coup d'etat, because they weren't trying to kill the uh, the reigning. Oh, um, I just like saying coup d'etat because it sounds cute. Coup d'etat. Coup d'etat is a coup <laughs> by a murderer. A coup is just a takeover by the military. Coup. Wow. <laughs> so th- there's militia when the guys try to just like do his horse job. Yeah, he's just being escorted. People are tackling them. People are that was running caught on camera. I didn't see fire his... extinguishers. It's been all over Facebook. Yeah, I didn't. See, I. Have... Mm-hmm. It you has remember, not they, been they, in my newsfeed. She only looks at her own page. That's true. <laughs> you guys are assholes. I love it. Um, but it's yeah, okay. I do um, that too. It's, 
it's Olympics time. It's always exciting because it's not my page. I'm saying the... my friends don't have it. I no one's <laughs> been posting about that. She they're like, they're saying they're posting about hot Asians. Like that's what my friends have been. Posting she's about. she's seeing all the uh, the happy stuff of the uh, apparently. Olympics. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I mean, I'm shielded. It's always a great like. So my girlfriend and I were watching the opening ceremony on Friday. Just all the countries coming through, and um, all the you know everyone's outfits, everyone being happy, and you know. There's so many countries participating, some sending like 10, 5, even like a few people. And a lot, most of these people aren't going to win medals, right? Most of them don't even have a chance to like qualify for the finals. But they're there to represent their country doing what they like, doing something that they've been training for, for like ever, right? And there's something really, really cool about that. And I kind of forget that because well, I feel like... The- because of the way media can skew it to get headlines, to make clickbait, they focus on everything but that, which is what it's really about, which is sad. So I got distracted, and I kind of found myself turned off a little bit. Not not to, It's not to disrespect what the Olympics actually are. And when I saw clips of that, it reminded me. But honestly, they were just talking about Giselle. They were talking about... Zika virus, they're talking all these like other stuff, but they're, it's not talking about the heart of it, which is something really, really sacred and beautiful. And I'm sad. I kind of like didn't make it a priority to be honest. Like I just was like, oh, the opening ceremony that's cool. Like I'll see it later. I think there was I'm sure. so much bad press going on yeah. before the games was, that I like off. a lot of people just kind of wrote it off. But you know, you still watch it, and it's funny. It's so. The NBC, especially the primetime broadcast of these sports, are so produced and biased. Everyone's got to have a story. Everyone's got to have like this thing they're struggling for. And sometimes I just want to. Sometimes I just turn on the the stream, the online stream on NBC.com because that's just the that's just the stream. The there's sport. no commentators. <laughs> there's no one talking. The sport. It's oh. just a sport. The and thing. you know that's the only way you can see things like table tennis and badminton. Like sports are like. You don't really give a shit about, but during this time, it's like when there's national pride on the line, like you want to watch. And, you know, things like uh, Lily Zhang, who is a two time Olympian, uh, doing, she made it to the semifinals, not the semifinals, I think quarterfinals. She's the gymnast? She's the um, table tennis player. Um, And that's really cool because she was part of that documentary, uh, Top Spin, that was produced uh, a couple years ago, uh, following the last Olympic team. And so seeing, just seeing someone that you've seen before, I guess, come back and try to perform at a high level, um, it's, it's like really Yuna cool. Kim. Uh, Michael Kim Phelps with his cupping? <laughs> exactly. I mean, there's been some, like what I did follow the Olympics, there's been some extraordinary stories, not just of Asian Americans, but like uh, there was a gymnast who's 41 years old who's comedian, and she's apparently like doing a great job, what? which is like amazing. Uh, there was a there's fencer. a team of yeah so something that we saw in um, during their opening ceremonies was they had a team for refugees right people that who didn't, was the, the Syrian one. refugee one yes. that's the one the I saw swimmer the, the, yeah. the swimmer there's this, who, there's yeah. ten of them yeah uh, some from Ethiopia from Sudan Congo, from Congo and and from Syria Did I say yeah Congo? I'm sorry and so <laughs> yeah delete that out some from the Congo <laughs> I mean people who don't have a limited community to send them but because of their Story because of their their you know I don't think she made it past qualifying the swimmer but the story is kind of wasn't she from Turkey I heard that she's she got Syria. a medal but oh, maybe Syria. I'm reading all wrong the articles. guy is from Turkey mm-hmm. yeah yeah what was that didn't she get a medal am I just talking about my butt I don't think she made it past qualifying is this the one who I'm like, gonna make supposedly... this I'm gonna ruin this podcast by fact checking you right now that's cool yeah. see that was the one thing that I actually bothered opening because again the headlines that were I was just I don't want to read it. Because at this point, you're just so used to, like, okay, this is clickbait. And some of them got me, like, the the ones that were mentioning um, women not getting credit for their own wins. Yes. That one, I totally got clickbaited. But relevant story, and it pissed me off. She didn't, she didn't, she didn't win any medals. But uh, she I think was you were thinking of, I think you're thinking of um, the Hungarian woman who won, like, the gold. That's the one that's being... Supported by her husband, who's been training her for. Well, that's Olympic like a controversial power. story. Apparently, they're d- deep diving into that because he's like, he's interesting. He has I a man bun. That's all I know about. A that. man bun? Yeah. Oh, I heard her man. They butt. met at USC. I read the whole thing today. <laughs> oh, this is a very boring story. Actually. No, well, like there, there's controversy over like having a coach who's your spouse, basically, and the 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 relationship level because they can be like coaches are notoriously they can be they are they have the liberty to be tough on you. And it's not the same thing as like when you have your spouse like 
not berating you, but yelling at you and like, you know, kicking your ass to compete in something. And then them also being your spouse, which is a completely They're different. They're probably really good at uh, drawing the line. Like, okay, I'm going to be your coach now. Hopefully. And then I'll turn it off. I do hope home. that happens. Oh. But people have commented like on the sidelines that he, they've noticed like odd behavior and they don't, they like, it makes other people uncomfortable how he talks to her because they know that he's her husband oh, and blah, blah, okay. blah. Oh. So I think there's, it's blurry lines. And it's who the knows? daily life it's between like when you have a parent that's a coach. I don't know. Like that's momagers. Like. What'd you say? I'm a I said it's the daily life between me and Josephine. That's Josephine, what I was gonna say. Josephine, <laughs> Josephine yells at me every single day. Every yeah. second of the day. <laughs> but um the refugee one was super that was one that I was like eager to read about because that was something that I think brought me back to the heart of the Olympics about what it represents. Mm-hmm. And that you were there to represent yourself and your country and also those who don't have one and that's a really true story and a struggle that millions of people are dealing with. Yeah. And like I have two countries and I never knew which one to root for, so I root for both. Right. So speaking on that, because like, a lot of us immigrant kids have this kind of duality of, well, I want to root for America, but I also want to root for my motherland, but I also want to just root for the Asians, right? Because of rep- like it's a whole I, like the whole thing of representation. Like you're seeing people that look like you perform at the highest level of this thing you, you've been told your entire, especially like in the very Asian American narrative that you couldn't be good at unless it was, you know, like well, now, or something. Now right. I'm very Asian American gung ho. When I was younger, I was very either Korea or US. <laughs> and I'm like Korean people can be really nationalistic, so they're like they do not want China or Japan <laughs> or Thailand or any other Asian country to win. They want right. Korea to win. Well, I mean there's this hierarchy thing. It's the same thing with um, college sports. If you have college sports teams like your number one priority is your undergrad team. Your number two is your grad school team. And if the number three is school. your, you know, your hometown if you have one. If you went and to so there's, grad. you know, there's there's a tier of who you you're, who you're supposed to root for. And I feel like there's the same thing with um, Olympic rooting, right? There's the U.S., your your home country, and then there's your motherland. And in lieu of that, it's the Asian person beating the white people or something, <laughs> you know? Kind of. I think for me, like my like how I rank it is like I would go. It, this is how wrong it is. So number one would be Team USA if there are Asian Americans represented. Like, if I'm seeing, like, my people, <laughs> like, if, like, I remember the last Summer Olympic, there was, like, the gymnast team. There was Asians. There was, in, in like, Desi right. Americans. I was like, man, that's a diverse team. I'm a, I'm Team USA. Screw you, Korea. I'm Team USA. <laughs> right. If and my, if and then number two would be Korea. And then number three would be Team USA. But then they're last because if it's, like, all white people, I'm like, uh. <laughs> Right. If Nathan Adrian was swimming against Michael Phelps, I'd be rooting for Nathan, you know? Didn't he? They don't swim. The oh, same they don't swim. Events. Oh, he's beautiful. I think both of them are. Michael Phelps is not particularly handsome, but anyway, that was like the theme of my Olympic news feed. <laughs> Who's the hot? Who are the hot people? Well, there's also that like Chinese swimmer dude. Yeah, there was, I in saw love with, something oh, yeah, with like yeah. with like Asian. an impossible amount of abs. Like he's got to be a robot, right? Because no one has twenty abs. That's yeah. Just well, not China possible. can make robots, so it's well, totally all Asian fine. people are robots according to the news. Oh, right, right. <laughs> or mysterious. We are mysterious and exotic robots. Orientals. I can't. Anyway. Oriental rugs. I mean, that's the thing, right? So, speaking of representation, how the sports gets represented, like people, buy, like sports is really interesting because it's physical feats of of athleticism, but also people get invested in the stories, right? That's why people give athletes the benefit of the doubt when they get accused of, you know assault or you know things like that murder <laughs> even like um do they give the benefit of the doubt oh yeah oh jeez oh yeah oh well yeah <laughs> delete that i take it back and so you know how the story gets gets um gets represented is really important and something that came up on um i think yum yum f did a did a piece on this was the different ways that um like white athletes and Asian athletes are being portrayed by the media, and this hap- this this isn't just in the Olympics. This happens all over, right? This happened when um, Ichiro Suzuki just hit his three thousandth hit, three thousand three not three south thousands, hit number three thousand. Um, there you go. On a triple, which is like fucking amazing, and someone tweeted like, 3,000 is great and all, but." You should learn English if you're going to play in our in our country or something. Like some some ESPN like commentator, and he got lit up because Ichiro does speak pretty good 
like decent English. He's just like going through a translator because when tech on the press, he feels like, or this is this is his like his publicity and his spinning, but uh, he values accuracy of what he says. So that's why he likes going through an interpreter. But just the fact that not looking white is still other. It's still othering, right? It's still not not the the main narrative, right? So you you get um, the South Korean team won gold in archery. And the descriptors for them is, you know, robot-like precision and, like, cold precision and, like, very, like, Asians are still portrayed as this mysterious, very precision-like, very, you know, coordinated people, whereas everyone else can be passionate and driving. <laughs> passionate I'm saying and they overcame so much. It's not because they trained like crazy and through this like oppressive, you know, Tiger Mom regime. It's because they really care about what they do, right? And you, you, you get, you got this narrative a lot during, especially during the Olympics when you have, you know, different cultures going against each this other. This is kind of funny though because it just shows you how um, depowered America feels in comparison to the Asian cultures. We're like, <laughs> the only way we can justify why they're good is because they're robots, because we're inadequate. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe you are inadequate. And that's why you have to resort to calling the Asians like robots and all <laughs> these emotionless like shells. That randomly reminds me. So they actually portrayed the Koreans as the bad guys. There was like this breakdancing film called Battle of the Year. Mm. And they portrayed the Koreans as the bad guys because they were like portrayed as like the robotic, super good. This was like, the movie team. and not the documentary. It, right? So Benson Lee, he, he made yeah. the movie version okay. of the documentary. Okay. And the Koreans were the bad guys. They were like, oh, and then so it was the Team USA. They were the <laughs> underdogs with Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and they had to fight against Korea, and they're like, "We're gonna, we're gonna beat the best Korea team in the world." Put b-boying Korea, on the map. They're the ones who yep. like dominated b-boying for internationally for years. They talk about how they like they do power moves. Like, oh, they're all about power moves. We got style. We got character. We got heart. We got heart. <laughs> all they have is intense power moves. Precision. And a coach was an alcoholic. <laughs> so it's like, oh my god. god. Well, it's a feel-good underdog story. Yep. My head hurts right now. Like it genuinely. I'm so sick of. Ugh. All of it is just upsetting. Get creative. Like get accurate. Read a fucking book. Like read outside of. Watch something besides Fox News. Like I don't know. Get your head up out of your ass. I'm just so tired of all of that. I think they I just hope need all to- these commentators <laughs> listen to this podcast because I personally want to like crap on your face. I Only think- the American ones, for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> they just need. I mean. Listen to like the Australian ones. It's I'm pretty sure it's a it was a fake video that I saw, but like the Australian team was calling Ch- the Chinese team like all dopers because of something that happened three years ago. And there's so much hate. And this is something that you realize is that American can be pretty racist sometimes, sometimes. but man, the rest of the world is pretty racist as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, Australia to everybody. Pretty racist as well. I mean, even Asians are racist to everyone else. Oh yeah, you know? so exactly. Oh, yeah. Hierarchies um, amongst us. Oh yeah. If there's any country where we can overcome it, it's probably us because we're already knee deep in diversity and we're hurtling towards that that future where there's no majority anymore. You make it sound so grim. We always say the word hurtling. You've used that the last like three podcasts. Just I'm saying like, we're that there's no stopping it. it. It's like an asteroid. You can't stop diversity, Armageddon. guys. The train is already moving. You can't stop. The only way to stop it is a purge, and don't oh do God. that. Don't purge. Purge is bad. Purge could help things. What? I'm not for the purge currently. <laughs> the movie? I'm cur- I'm currently for mass media to stop <laughs> talking like dumbasses. But um I ask for way too much though. <laughs> but bring it back to I guess Asian Americans in the Olympics. Um for a long time all we had was I don't know, Chrissy Yamaguchi, Michelle Kwan, like figure skaters and um in the Summer Olympics now we're getting, you know, swimmers, we're getting fencers, table tennis players who can now compete with, you know, the the robots of China. Gymnasts? Yeah, there's a rhythmic gymnast, um, volleyball players, and, you know, a lot of them aren't primetime sports, but they're out there competing, and I don't know. it's um, We probably should have geared up our coverage of these people, but, you know, it's kind of cool that we can see more, because for a long time also, to see Asian representation in sports in the Olympics has always been through China, Japan, Korea, like still countries we can root for, but not people that we can really kind of see ourselves in as much. I don't know. 
what? But aren't we all Chinese and Korean here and all the, the big uh, Asian brands? Wait, brands, races? Countries. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But kind of leads to, um, I think we're seeing more and more now because we're, especially in the American teams, because we're getting more and more kids that go through, like, grew up with athletics, um, being able to play sports and being able to, to like, really pursue, like, having parents supportive of them, pursuing sports as a... Um, if not profession, that's a passion, right? Um, like you have kids who, like the table tennis players, like to most parents, that's that's a hobby. That's something fun they play in the basement. But to get to this level, you have to have support. Like you have to have parents drive you to the gym every day to practice for hours and hours, practice with you. And, you know, that takes, that takes a lot sometimes too from, from like imagining our parents doing that, you know? I think I'll say for sure, like what I have noticed compared to, because every four years there is an increase no, number of diversity in terms of like you know Asian Americans, and so this is a topic that I haven't seen really being discussed four years ago, and especially of course the four years before that. Um, but now it's like there's all these conversations of like uh, there was a Filipina like the uh, like a weightlifter who won in a medal, and so there's that. And we have the first uh, woman who uh, wearing a hijab who won for fencing, mm-hmm. and so there are all these great strides being made in diversity, and I think you know from here on out like it's going to set the president for more to come because kids will watch it and be like, I can do that yeah. because someone who looks like me just did that. <laughs> so I think, you know, this is, this will be the beginning of like even more Asian Americans, you know, being participating in summer and winter Olympics. And I hope that they're going to be able to vocalize that to their parents. Cause I think there's a difference with parents who are going to be for that, putting in the money and time to have their kids train or the ones that will be forcing their kids to train when they don't want to. There's all sorts of narratives behind that. Um, so I don't know. I just feel like that conversation of people figuring out what they really want to do and figuring out a way to actually fulfill that is the real thing. And that's why I think athletes are really amazing because it just takes so much out of you and not everyone's down for that. Either from like the, the performer side, the person who's doing it, or the people around them that have to also support to make it happen. So, so what was your guys' background with athletics growing up? Uh, 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 all right. So when I was a kid, uh, my parents wanted me to participate in every sports puzzle because, you know, unfortunately, and this probably has changed much for me on my cell phone all the time, but I always play my video games, so she forced me. So the sports were taekwondo, uh, baseball, soccer yeah those are the three sports i was terrible at all of them in taekwondo i remember hitting my first a wooden block and i cried so hard that i had to be removed from class because i was being disruptive to the entire class so my mom was so ashamed of me she's like i cannot believe you're crying did you cry from the pain or from not being able to break the board both um <laughs> so it was so embarrassing and so like and uh and then like you know our family friend you know who was able to break two of those boards with no sweat was like oh you know i'm so sorry your son couldn't break it and it's like and then my mom looks at their son and goes like your son is so much better and so and then with i remember in baseball like i would hit i, I remember actually hitting the the ball and i was so happy but i, but I ran the wrong direction and oh, so no. that was me more it, proof your sense of direction is yeah, terrible. Yeah, it hasn't changed. So with sports, I had a, real, a love-hate relationship. In, and then the sport that I could actually do decently was when in high school I did cross-country. All I had to do was run. That was it. And even <laughs> then the I right screwed direction? up. I ran in the wrong direction. <laughs> Are and, you and, serious? And it ended up in someone's property. <laughs> to be fair, cross And I got country, chased by a dog. Yeah. To be fair, I also run cross-country. And those trails are through like fucking forests and shit. So they place signs, but you can't always see it. Um, I never got lost, but I did have a friend who got so lost that he was still running when the next race started. (gasps) (laughs) That's terrible. Oh my God. Just making Edward feel better. (laughs) That's amazing. So he started finishing the same time as the next race. So he was running for like cross country races are three miles to 5K. So you're out there maybe 25 minutes tops. You know, I think my personal best was like 21 minutes. Um, And. So if you're out there for more than like half an hour, something's gone wrong. Like oh you can't no, find that him. sucks. Yeah, that happened to me uh, when I got when I ran to the wrong area and then got chased by a dog. That when the dog chased me, I made a decision to roll down a ditch 
like roll down this long, like the steep hill because I thought the dog would stop chasing me, which was correct. The dog stopped chasing me, but then I ended up in a thorny bush. And so I got cuts everywhere. And then you're so literally I came, like a sitcom uh, character. Yeah. So I came back, you know, 40 minutes later and then, you know, everyone else already came back 20, 20 minutes before that. And I was like, where's Edward? And so I come in they're like, what just happened? <laughs> and then the gym, te- uh, the cross country dude got so pissed off because I told him what happened. And he's like, why didn't you kick the dog in the balls? Why did you do that? Be a man. And I'm like, uh, and I was thinking if I did that, I would have died because the dog would have recovered and killed me. I mean, the answer to all your problems is violence, apparently. We are in America. <laughs> How about you, Josephine? Uh, so when I grew up, I did a lot of uh, traditional Asian um, activities. Uh, the main, like, you know, piano, whatever. That's not sport related. But uh, in terms of sports, it would be like ballet or like the Chinese mm. dancing or every, every kind of dancing imaginable. And then um, I think I tried karate for a little bit. I don't know. I don't think it was taekwondo. It was just like karate, regular old karate. Um, but I stopped doing that immediately because... For me, I think I was intimidated because there was a lot of guys and I was like the only girl. Mm. And then also, you know, every time you punch or do something, you have to go, ha! And I'm like, that's really dumb because I don't want to make noises when I'm punching. I want to punch in silence. (laughs) Apparently, I couldn't do that. And then um, when I got into like um, junior high and high school, I started doing a lot of the track stuff. So, Mm. you know, uh, just the whatever sprinting because I was like, oh, I could run fast. And then I started doing, I did hurdles once because I was like, oh, that looks so cool. But I was so terrified of hitting each hurdle. So when I would jump over them, my ballet instincts would kick in. And it was like this beautiful, graceful unicorn. But everyone's like, you're wasting precious time. I'm like, yeah, well, I also don't want to die. So I'm not hitting any of them. <laughs> and I look like a swan. Shut I up. know. And I was like, oh, that's so, what is she doing? Like, wee, my hands would do these things. And so I remember I did one race and it was so embarrassing because I was dead last. Like they were waiting for me to finish. And I was just like, you're pure running through yeah the exactly i was like i don't want to touch these <laughs> but what i actually ended up like focusing on in um high school i wanted to do like high jump but i don't think we ever had a high jump um like coach for mm-hmm. our class so we're or i mean for our school so i ended up doing shot put which i know nice. is like the farthest thing you would imagine for me because like this tiny asian girl like how are you doing shot put and you got the fire you got yeah the force. so i i know for sure like our team we had the most feminine looking team because like Shot put is known for having very butch girls in it. So when we would compete against other schools, it's like, oh, you little babies are going to, you know, and then we would kind of kick their butts and there'd be a little surprise. Like, (laughs) oh, so much Asian rage behind these, you know, shot put balls. And then I think, yeah, so I mean, we were actually good enough where we like compete in those CIF finals. And so it was surprising for our size, but it was like, ha ha, Asian rage. You're like the underdog story that everyone loves. I I love it. They probably scienced it with their robot brains. Yep, yep, yep. We We engineered our own shop puts and we're like, (laughs) fly. So yeah, that was... That was my main thing. And then, how about you? How are you in sports? I didn't do sports. Well, I didn't do it sports until middle school. I was the uh, theater child. My mom put me in musicals and plays. Ha ha. Good on you, mom. Look what you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then my brother did baseball. He did soccer. He did basketball. He did everything. And then I was apparently really good in track, but I never made anything of it. And <laughs> then middle school, I did volleyball and basketball. I've... I've shared before that I'm terrible at rules, so I don't think I belong in organized sports because I can't remember rules when it comes. Like I will, I'm a really good shooter for basketball, and then I'll forget that I'm not supposed to stand X Y Z or go over this line or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. They'll blow the whistle at me. I'll do it again. I don't know. So it's kind of useless. Yeah. So this is why Sports we're not me in don't, the Olympics. Yeah, this is why I'm not in the Olympics. Yeah. We're too smart. We uh, do science and math. But we did. I did the decathlete video that came out the other day for BuzzFeed, and that was really fun. I got to train as a decathlete for a week, and that was really, really challenging. But I surprised myself that I could actually do hurdles again because the reason why I stopped was that I, I did fall in seventh or eighth grade in front of like the love of my life at the time. I was traumatized. I was like, I'm never doing this again. But I did it for BuzzFeed and for yeah. art. Step one, BuzzFeed. Step two, the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Yeah. Yeah, Niji Chang representing the United (laughs) States of America. I will go watch. No. I will fly all the way out. It will be the funniest, stupidest looking competitor ever. I will break the Zika virus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tokyo, there's no Zika there, right? Hey, okay. Based on what's happening now, I feel like they're spreading it. So if everybody comes flying in and they're like, all right, go back to your nether read. And they're like, wee. That's true. We're all doomed. I know. And that'll do it for this episode of the Clubcast. Thanks again to Eddie and Josephine. Eat for, ginseng, guys. Yeah, eat your ginseng. Sorry, Edward. Edward, thanks to Edward <gasps> and Josephine. If you say Eddie, it's E-D-D-Y. He gets very particular. <laughs> I know, I may not like that. For joining us this week, uh, people want to see more of your guys' stuff. Where can they follow you? Uh, they can oh, follow me boy. at 
Cinnabon Monster, all one word on Twitter and Instagram. My website's also CinnabonMonster.com. You should follow him. He pokes the bear a lot. I poke the bear a lot. So, uh, for me, my Facebook and Instagram are SlowJoJojo, and then my Twitter is nice. I. Thank you. Uh, my what's the thing? Twitter is I Yam Josephine, like with the Y A M, and then I also do a podcast with my other friends on Who What Wears Why, and then. We discuss a lot of movie reviews, and we also have other random nonsensical topics that whatever comes to our mind for the week. Nice. All right. Thanks again for listening, everyone. If you have a question, topic, or feedback to send to us, please send it out to podcast at collaboration.org. And if you listen to us on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. We super appreciate it. You can also find our podcast on Stitcher, Google Play Music, and wherever podcasts are found through our RSS feed. Uh, thanks again to Alpha for her song Bare Feet for this month's intro and outro. And yeah, for the Collabcast, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye. In the meantime.